0: Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady are going to Super Bowl 55.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. One man, one tree in the hill. I'm your host, two-time wrestling champion, stand-up comedian Jared Waters. <laughs> And, ladies and gentlemen, the Buccaneers have made it to the Super Bowl. Forgive me uh, for not posting any podcasts out, but I have been screaming lately because the Bucs have made it to the Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. They've made it to the freaking Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl's in Tampa, and it's going to be crazy, and I can't wait for all this news coverage about the great city of Tampa, Florida, and all the wild things you'll see, ladies and gentlemen, but before we do that, a shout out to our sponsors our sponsors ladies and gentlemen this podcast is sponsored by Old Hillside Bourbon Company Old Hillside Bourbon Company was a company created out of love for bourbon and friendship and camaraderie the idea of quality time great conversation enjoying good spirits brought this team together our vision is fueled by optimism integrity and a sense of responsibility to build a successful household a bourbon brand that people can cherish and love our story is unique we're a collective group of individuals from different career backgrounds this is our strength which is able that excuse me as we're able to apply our professional Professional experience to provide an unmatched service to our quality of customers. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is sponsored by Old Hillside Bourbon Company. And if you would like uh, discounts to get a t shirt, it's O M O T A H. Ladies and gentlemen, one man on a tree in the hill. And that's how you get a promo code. But yeah, back to the news, man. Freak, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say I called it because I didn't know. I said that if Tom Brady does get there, it's going to be the hardest journey. He had to beat Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and then he has to beat the baddest man on the planet, which is not himself, Patrick Mahomes, a.k.a. my homeboy. Whoo, buddy. It's good. Let me let me back that up. So I am, uh, I'm not going to say I'm a huge Bucks fan. But I am a Bucks fan. I was always going for the Bucs. It's hard when you have Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton. It's always, we've been Panther fans. My dad's a Panther fan. And we were a Buccaneers fan because we went to, when we were in Japan, I remember the Buccaneers coming and the Jets playing. And uh, we met Warren Sapp. And we've been a fan ever since of Warren Sapp. And the Bucs have been sucking. So when you got two teams, it's good. But we've always cheered for the home team. But uh, yeah, the Buccaneers, man. And I was like, freak, I didn't think Tom Brady was gonna do that. He's forty-three years old, forty-three years old, and he's going. He's been to ten Super Bowls. That is freaking crazy. So hopefully the Bucks win. Hopefully the Bucks win, but it will not be easy because the Chiefs, whoo, the honey badger, Ty, Tyrod, good DDD, boy. The the Chiefs are set up to win for five years. The Chief reminds the Chiefs remind me of the the Seattle Seattle Seahawks, but the inverse where the offense is fire and the defense is strong, you know, because Patrick Mahomes, uh, he's great, but Tyreek, God, he's on my fantasy team. Good, D He got me so many fantasy points when they played Tampa, and uh, Kelsey Travis Kelsey Kelsey the big the white dude that day said black girl, whoof, boy, he's a whoof. That tight end, he's a star, man. Dates, oh, no, not that black girl. Excuse me. He dates uh, the black girl. She is a... What did I know? She's a model. She's a model, but she's a sports model. She's a sports model. But good, that's a that's, that's what I'm saying. He's focused on the field. To have that at home and to be on the field, boy, God has truly blessed his man. He's blessed him. Endow me, oh, oh, Lord. Uh, but yeah, that's why I lost my voice. I was still doing shows, but I... I was trying to save it, you know. So that's what happened. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, as I was watching the Bucks game, and then by the time it was over, I was like, "Up, oh, nobody's rounding up, but we're here. We're rounding it up today." Then Friday, we will be dropping a One uh, Tree Hill episode. We'll be reviewing that, and we've been getting a lot of emails about for me to read books. Not strange, but different. Asking me to read books live on the podcast, and I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, someone asked me, "Could I read a book live on the podcast?" And they like my voice which is i don't know whatever whatever floats your boat and find your lost remote this is for my working at the airport that got laid off take my shades off that's what uh andre 3000 said in the whole world but that uh big news a year ago today we lost the great kobe bryant kobe Bean bryant and his daughter gianna bryant that's crazy how like the world just froze a little bit how like after he died like everything went downhill the coronavirus happened and hundreds of thousands of people died. I'm not saying it was Kobe's fault, but just like how everything just transpired. That was like the biggest event. And it's been a year. It still feels like unreal that Some and the crazy thing is that, you know, I only, I think I only met, I, only, I didn't meet him, but I seen Kobe play one time live before, but uh, knowing somebody so great and you've known to know somebody for like 20 years or you've you know, it's just like our era of stars, you know? So when I talk to people, I still be like, dang, Kobe, that's crazy, right? Kobe free, Kobe bad. Then you evolve and, you know, he's prayers up for his wife. And uh, and sometimes I was reading this article that said about grief, about how she was asking people not to post photos of the helicopter and how the police officers were taking pictures and showing the dead pictures to people at the bar, like, they come on, bro. You guys, are, wait, you guys, you you boys are out of line. You boys are out of line for that. But, uh, yeah, let's play this let's play this uh, small little tribute my friend made. Uh, his name is uh, Garrett, one of our Sky producers of this podcast. A little uh, clip. Kobe, then we're going to go into our current events.
0: With the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower America in welcome to the Kobe welcome to the
1: Kobe show celebrating athletes, accolades on the court or on the field. but What they do off the field is more important about how he supported so many female basketball players and uh, pushed for diversity and making sure that the inclusion's there for female players and athletes to get paid more. That's dope. So uh, RMP to Kobe Bryant. Shout out to his wife and kids. Uh, also, to go on that news, we lost the great Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron passed away. And, you know, Hank Aaron, he was 86. He lived a full life. But I've, I, was, I was studying... Uh, reading his story and reading about how much stuff he went through in that time frame, they talked about Jackie Robinson, but um, I think a lot of people don't talk about Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record. And the crazy thing is that he played the Negro Leagues and in, in the Major League Baseball, they didn't count a lot of the Major League, the Negro Leagues accomplishments. So now recently they did that. So he probably has more home runs than what he really hit. So uh, yeah, he was doing uh, not he was doing, but he died. Uh, a lot of people, we have a lot of conspiracy theory. The people that listen to his podcast like, do you see he got the vaccine? That's what happened. Uh, but he was 86 years old. He lived a full life. But I want to read some of the hate mail that I read, which was very, not. it's just very ironic what people were like writing him. He wrote this, he said that, let me freaking start stuttering. Okay, here we go. And this is like hate mail from the fans in the 1970s. Here he goes. Dear Hank, retire or die, you dumb nigger. The Atlanta Braves will be moving around the country and I'll move with them. You'll be in Montreal June 7th and you will die there. Will you be in the Shea Stadium July 78th in Philly or Montreal? I will freaking kill you. Oh, what the freak? Uh, babe, you've been up 2,000 more times than Babe Ruth. That's the reason why you're not half the player he was. And this is like wild. They gave him, he said, "Uh, Hank Aaron, uh." When he chased Babe Ruth's record, he received over three thousand letters per day. The most racist were hate mail. He held on to him as he grew older, and he read the letters. Read the letters because uh, he said the letters wouldn't hurt me. There's another one, uh, dear Mister. This is, says, dear Mister Nigger, I hope you don't break Babe Ruth's record. Uh, how do I tell my kids that a Nigger did it? But it took me more. It took it. But it took more at bats, live ball, and other things and tricks to beat his record. Don't do anything. You like good. Gracious these boy What the freak was going on Just because he broke his record So um, A lot of people were upset That Hank Aaron broke Broke his record And his record lived I think for like 30 years For like 30 years And uh, The funniest I want to play this clip This is when he broke the record How people were like Running on the court This is Hank Aaron Here we go
0: his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. As Aaron circled the bases, the Dodgers on the infield shook his hand, and that was a memorable moment. Aaron is being mobbed by photographers, is holding his right hand high in the air, and for the first time in a long time, that poker face of Aaron shows the tremendous strain and relief of what it must have been like to live with for the past several months. It is over. At ten minutes after nine in Atlanta, Georgia, Henry Aaron has eclipsed the mark
1: set by Babe Ruth. Wow, it's crazy like history, man. Freaking history. We're living through. We've lived through I didn't live through it, but it happened. It happened. And it was crazy what the um, announcer said. Like, he's getting a stand ovation in the Deep South, how rare that was, and how sometimes sports can bring people together, you know. I know a lot of racist people that love sports and probably, like, I freaking hate that, but Dak Prescott, that's my freaking boy there, you know. So it's it's amazing how sports can evolve, and you got to think about the people who suffer through this thing. Like they said, like Jackie Robinson for the first two years couldn't be himself because he was trying to show people that black people weren't barbaric. But they said after the two seasons when he officially, and that's when he started like, they said he started punching people's teeth out and stuff like that in the dugout. And you got to think about it. Aaron, 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 I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Hank Aaron was, uh, he was raised in Alabama. Here he go, read this quote, uh, this um, great dude, Robert Lytell. He's uh He's the editor of BlackSports.com. I like reading some of his articles that he reads, that he writes. Aaron grew up in Alabama in a rigid segregation and humiliation as he faced abuse from the stands while playing in the South in the minor leagues. Years later, he felt the Braves or the fans were largely indifferent or hostile to him as he chased Babe Ruth's record. So he felt like the Braves started changing. As a baseball commissioner at the time, Bowie Kuhn was not present when he hit the historic 715 home run. So even the commissioner wasn't there. All that and especially all the hate mail that besieged him seared Aaron for years. As the 20th anniversary of his home run approach in the 1990s, talking to the New York Times about this. He goes, this is the quote I want to read. It really made me see for the first time the clear picture of what this country is about. My kids had to live like they were in prison because of the kidnapping threats that I got. I had to live like a pig in a slaughter camp. I had to duck. I had to hide. I had to go out to the back door at ballparks. I had to go to the back door at restaurants. I had the police escort me with all at all times. I was getting threatening letters every single day. All the things that have to put a bad taste in my mouth that it won't go away, they carved a piece of my heart away. So, like... <laughs> You know, racism takes a toll on people, man. It takes a toll on people, especially openly racism, you know? So all those things that these athletes went through back in the day and stuff like that, you can tell. You can tell how, like, people, you know, people evolved, but people still have these memories, you know what I mean? So I'm curious. I wish... Somebody would have interviewed Hank Aaron, like thoroughly interviewed him, like how we do on this podcast and had his time capsule to see how he felt. But I'm pretty sure he's 80 years. Somebody probably had him sat down. But rest in peace to Hank Aaron. Also, Larry King died, the great Larry King. One of the best interviewers on the planet. One of my favorite interviews is like him and Snoop Dogg uh, and just having Larry become more. Or Larry, Larry become more like down to earth. And he said how chilly is, how he could just interview anyone. And he said what was very interesting. He said, if you give people the opportunity, they'll talk to you. And never make it about yourself. And I found that very interesting because sometimes when I, like, interview some of my friends, I realize I put some of my memories on them and, like, having the ability to stop and make it just about them. To be so in the middle that someone can express themselves, Right. He said, like I was reading how he sat down with Muammar Gaddafi, he sat down with Hugo Chavez, he sat down with all these dictators and let them become a person. And he said meeting these dictators, he understands how charming they are and how they felt about certain things. I was like, wow. And he said he put all of his political views all to the side to sit down and have a conversation with something. And I think that's the most selfless thing you can do is just let someone talk. You're a good interviewer, but don't put your personal opinions inside the way. Uh, but yeah, rest in peace to the great Larry King. Larry King. One of my favorite interviews is him and Frank Sinatra. And him with the uh, Red Fox. I don't know. I think I heard that on a a radio. But yeah, emails. We're going to get through these emails. A lot of people asking about um, Pernell Lucas. Pernell lives down in Florida. He lives down in Florida and he is married with four children. <laughs> uh, a lot of the ladies are writing like, wow, we love how he adores his kids uh yeah so he, yeah he's married down in Florida and I think he's gonna move again uh but I hit up Purnell because I I like just scrolling through people like when I'm on like like if I'm on the train or something like that if I'm not reading a book I just flip through Instagram and these people that I've met throughout life they have very interesting stories and they're very unique and I feel like I know the most interesting people in the world so I just hit him up uh special prayer to our friend uh, Amy Wilkerson, I don't know what she's going through, but I read, I'm scrolling on Instagram now, and it says, or Facebook says, please pray. I need some prayers. So prayer's up to her. Also, uh, also, wow, uh, Trey Songs is free, ladies and gentlemen. Trey Songs is out of jail. Uh <laughs> I saw this, I saw this man and I was like laughing because I'm like, there's been so many times where R&B singers are always the most violent people. I remember Trey Songz got arrested because he destroyed a set. He like was in Detroit one time, saw this video where he's like slamming, he's slamming drumsticks and throwing and just tearing up the set because they, they lit him early or something like that. And uh, it was actually, from what I read, they said the cop was being overly aggressive, right? I wrote two types of articles, so we'll give you both sides. Uh, from the police standpoint, they said that Trey Songs wasn't wearing his mask, and they asked him to approach his mask. Uh, he was very, uh, he was rebuttal, right? Uh, the other one said that Trey Songs was getting heckled at the stadium, and he was telling the guys, can you chill out? And he took down his mask to tell the people to chill out. And the cop came over and didn't know who he was and just rushed him immediately, and Trey Songz asked him to move and he hit him with the combo, then put him in a DDT. He <laughs> put him in the cop in a DDT and just choking him out. And never would I thought i uh, see an R&B singer fighting a police officer. But the question is, is R&B a whole lot tougher than rap, right? If you think about the current rap stars, uh, well, let's not say that. We'll just say like 50 Cent, those type of people, they were always fighting. But now it seems like R&B rap, R&B singers are quick enough or faster to swing on you than a rapper i think that's accurate you know chris brown there's a video of chris brown and he's in the parking lot and this guy charged him a hundred dollars to park and he goes hey we're about to turn this place up and we <laughs> and me and all my gang will run up on you, you try to charge me like that and i was like man breezy really is about to lose it all about this parking spot bobby brown was slapping people bobby brown uh what's my man's name? Isley bro, oh Ronald Isley. <laughs> Before I'm about to catch a case, <laughs> you're contagious. Actually, it makes sense that R&B people are so aggressive because all these sad songs they sing. You gotta be, you gotta be willing to fight. Keep sweat, man. Someone brought that brought up this topic. We're talking about this, me and this comedian, uh, Eagle Way. We're talking about Chris Brown, right? And this is not, you know. I'm definitely open. What Chris Brown did was horrible, but I say this all the time. I think Breezy's in a purgatory state of mind. Just imagine like, seeing the open ocean and wherever you run a glass is there, right? Imagine being in a tank. It seems like that. It's like a tank. We're all looking at him, and he can never like jump out to where he was because he is so talented. He can sing. He can dance. He can act. He can do all this other stuff. But you know he'll he'll never get over the fact of what he did to Rihanna, right? Never. It doesn't matter what he does, and rightfully so. You beat a you beat a woman like you beat a woman. That is the ultimate sacrifice. I'm not. Saying, I don't know why I'm saying this. I don't feel bad for Chris Brown. I'm just saying, but just saying. I see him like in a purgatory state. That's why I see why he's so upset all the time. And I don't know this man. I do know uh, one of his makeup artists, and she sat there and we we're having a conversation about it. Uh, she was at a comedy show and she told me that she works for Chris Brown and she just said as great as he is he'll never become as great as he was he'll never get the the bieber S level he'll just have his loyal fan base because that fan base that he did he'll never access that again and that has to suck to be like you want your music to reach past all this other stuff but when people hear your music they think of the most vicious thing that you've done before so yeah R and B superstars, right? I advise everyone: if you see Trey songs and you're a cop, please, you got to tase him, or he'll put you in a <laughs> put you in a headlock. Uh, uh, Conor McGregor, I did watch that fight. Conor McGregor, it's his time, brother, it's time to hang that up. It's it's it's, it's time. Go ahead and hang that up, brother, and start doing a celebrity boxing. Start doing celebrity boxing. Start doing WWE. Start doing stuff like that because. The UFC is not an old man's game. It is, but it's just like when you take time off, you just can't get back in that ring. That ring rust is real because you hit them. Hit, jab, 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 jab. You get some of them jabs, and then you hit the floor. But it was pretty good. The first round was good. The second round, he got he got hit with them Kyokins. He got hit with that hadouken. He got hit with it, and he was done. But he's had a great career. He's won the belt twice. Uh, I think he can make more money outside of the ring doing celebrity boxing, fighting Floyd Mayweather again. That's another hundred million fight. I think it's it. You know, you've made your money. You don't want to be that fighter that keeps getting beat. I mean, Rampage, I remember when he started losing, when he started doing movies, Ronda Rousey. Once you start losing in the sport, the market value's down. So I would say he should just do celebrity fighting, fight Jake Paul, fight Floyd fight all the you know thriller, get up there and just fight some of these old these has and it's just making it entertaining you know uh but yeah that was i was tough to watch tough to freaking watch uh but yeah you know what, my friend amanda uh we haven't spoken in a long time we got to get her on the podcast her daughter is an mma fighter and i watch her videos all the time and it's so amazing watching come on get her get her lock it up <laughs> you just hear all these ladies it is, it's just fun to tell lock her up mama lock her up lock her there it is pull 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 done freaking done oh uh, man I'm, I'm gonna ask her, i'm just gonna ask her i'm gonna ask her i'm gonna ask her what's it like raising a young mma fighter because I remember maybe like two years ago, she was like polling on like Instagram, Facebook, like, should my daughter do this? And she did it. And I was like, dang, now our daughters are in freaking tournaments, winning gold medals. And it's just like dope seeing that. Because I'm like, man, oh, shoot, I want my daughter up here. Do I don't have a kid yet, but I'm saying I would love for my kids to do MMA and just F people up. Start Fing people up. Because I don't know if I want them to wrestle. Like, stick it in. Children. But, uh, yeah, that that's it. Um. Inauguration. Oh, we didn't talk about the inauguration. Oh, free. Yeah. Uh, President Trump's gone. President Trump is being impeached. I do not think they'll go fully with impeachment. They'll be found guilty. I think they're just going to let him right off into the sunset because it's a waste. It's over. It's over. I get a lot of people don't want the CIA following him and stuff like that, but it's over. He's done. He's not going to win again. It's over. It's over. You've banned him from this. instant. <laughs> Excuse me, we banned him from Instagram, we banned them from everything else. The Trump, the Trump is over. It's over. Uh, but if he does get impeached, well, you are getting impeached. Is found being guilty or not. I don't think the Senate, you need three-fourths of the Senate to say that he's guilty. And he has 49% of the Senate. So there it is. None of them are going to flip. They're not going to flip at all. But shout out to Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. My theory is—I don't know—I think I said this right. My theory is that Joe—he's eighty, seventy-eight. I say Joe has about two years in office, and they're gonna do Article Twenty Six or Sixty Six, whatever Article is—and they're gonna just sit him down. Like Joe, come on and sit down, buddy. I really think that because I think his son died before he ran. I think if he would have ran again, yeah, I think he would have. I think he would have won, or maybe no. No, I don't think nobody was going to beat Donald Trump then. I think Donald really would have beat him. And if he would have lost, it would have took some steam out of his pipes. So I think he had to be, he had to wait four years to run. But I think he'll be the president two years, and they're going to sit him down, and then Kamala will be the rep. She'll finish his term, she'll run again, and then she'll win. And the world will be changing again. There'll be more diversity, and then she'll win, and we'll have Kamala for a decade. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know, though. Or Kanye can win. We never freaking know. Um, it is snowing in New York City. Snowing in New York City, uh, which is cool. It's It's not going to stick. Not going to stick at all. Uh, the vaccine. Yeah, the vaccine. Uh, do what you got to do. If you want to sign up for it, sign up for it. Uh, my friends are very conspiracists. They say that the vaccine uh, makes you sick. That's what he said. Look what happened to Hank Aaron. He took the vaccine. Uh well, we're already in a pandemic, so what's the worst that can happen? And if you're fearful of the vaccine, if you're black, just check white. You could check white on the vaccine, and you can, and they can just consider you as a white person. That's what I did. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I know they're not gonna give the whites the bad shot, so I put white on my on on my on my on my little thing. But shout out to everyone who gets it. If you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. Uh, okay, this other email. Let me read this. I saw you on the show. Oh, okay. Oh, this oh, I, I met this person. Uh President Me I met this person uh last week. A lot of comedy. Uh Joey Bats Cafe has turned into like the new tiny cover. The tiny cover was a spot over the summer that's really been really big. And what's happening in comedy, like the South is completely open. South is completely open. And all these comedians from California are moving to Texas, Austin, Texas, and they're moving to Tampa, Florida, and they're moving to Atlanta. So all the best comics from the West Coast are moving down south and these shows are becoming great because headliners are it was like double headlining shows and everything else. But the thing about I don't I can't speak about Texas, but in Florida, there's just not consistent stand up every night. You know, there's like different open mics. But if like everyone did a show every night, it'll be like consistent to do that. But it's been going great. So uh, in New York, we've been doing it every night in New York, we're in cold parks. Uh, it was a place called Joey Bats. They've, everyone's been setting up tents and awnies. So it kind of looks like, uh, you ever been to a church revival where there's like tent church revivals? That's what comedy has turned in. It's turned into like church tent revivals where comedians have put heaters inside tents and it's been really fun. It's been really fun. I did that show and then Wednesday, me and Matthew, we did our show, Freaking Freezing. I, 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 I thought it was going to be 40 degrees, but by the time it got 7 o'clock, it was 19 degrees. Uh, and it said it will feel like 10 and it exactly felt like 10, but we pushed through. We, we fixed it. We did the show. It went well. And then we went to double threat comedy. I was on that show and, uh, it was really good. Really good. That show was great. My friend shot runs that show. And then Friday, um, our show got canceled. It was at an ice cream parlor. It got canceled cause ice cream. Yeah. I don't know what the freak they did. They broke a policy, not even with comedy with something. They got shut down till April. I was like, how's the ice cream shop breaking? What were they really doing up there? And then Saturday we did our show again in Astoria park. That was even colder because like I thought it would be warm because at twelve o'clock it was freaking warm. But by the time it got three o'clock, again the wind was blowing and we we're by the water, freaking freezing. Uh but we got through it. Then I had to go to back to Joey Bats. I did the show and uh it was a fun show. Me and the booker were talking, right? And uh, usually I try to show up late to shows that I'm on, you know, so, you know, just so they could, you know, they do exactly what they're doing. Sometimes when they don't know you because I was referenced for the show, which is amazing, uh, I get there and this particular comic, she doesn't know me because this comic hasn't been out in the pandemic and hasn't been out, out. If you've been out, out, you've been seeing Jared Waters out and about and you've been seeing what happens. Like outdoor comedy is completely different. You have to. You have to be forward, you have to gain their attention, you have to bounce back and forth, you have to be very engaging, right? this comic's not engaging and they're talking to the comic and the comic goes, Uh, put Jared up first and I was like, That's it's gonna be a mistake for you because gunsling <laughs> gunslinging, right? And I was like, We're not in competition with each other, but sometimes with a show you want to like you want to set someone up to do well, you don't want to set anyone up to do bad because if I have high energy and they have low energy, it's good, but you have to bring them down from that low energy. And the comic jumped, and then the other comic jumped, and you can just tell they just weren't, it was it had a lot of rust on them. You could tell they were kind of rusty, right? Which was good because some of my friends showed up and they all got spots. And this dude was super cool. The producer was like, hey, I'm putting him up, I'm putting him up. And my friend Glory was there, and... Uh, just how proud proud I am of her watching her grow as a comedian, seeing her like she was hosting the piss out of the show. And we were talking about signs afterwards, and she told me she's a Gemini, she's she told us about Geminis. Kanye's a Gemini, Tupac's a Gemini, Biggie's a Gemini. I was like, well, what's good about Capricorn? And then she just says this random joke, Jesus is a Capricorn? You should be happy to be a Capricorn. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was good. And then the reason why I brought the story up, because this comedian comes out and we're talking, and I, I'm telling him, I was like, look, and he's telling me, like, why am I not booked on this show? Why am I not booked on this show? Why am I booked on this show? And I tell him, I said, look, if you spend more time perfecting yourself instead of wondering why you're not other places, you'll be a whole lot better. I said, the same feelings that you had, I had a feeling five years ago when I got to New York. I was like, I felt like I was a man out of Tampa. I was headlining in Tampa. I was I was featuring in Tampa. I, was, I felt like I was great. And then I had to re-humble myself. I went all the way back down to open mics again and rose back up, go to open mics, and there was pieces about myself that I had to learn. I had to learn that I need to be faster. I had to learn that, you know, some jokes don't need a seven-minute story just to say one thing if I only have two minutes to do it. So when I got to New York, I learned i need to hit fast, hit hard, and then I used my skills from Tampa to back up. And I was telling him, because this comic told him, said, like, you know, you're not funny right now. And he goes, I, I, I can't believe he said that to me, everything else. I was like, he said that to you two years ago? He goes, yeah. I said, look at yourself now, then look at yourself two years ago. He probably was right. If you're a better comic than you were two years ago from now, why are you upset two years from now of something he told you that was honest? And he's all like, well, I thought, I was like, it doesn't matter what you thought. I said like, you're holding on to grudges that no one even cares about. I said, like, walking around this city with so much weight, thinking of caring about people who don't care about you, it's a weight you don't need. I said, like, you have to free yourself from all this negativity. You got to worry about yourself and God and your family. And once you do that, you'll be a whole lot more peaceful. Right? I don't have enough time to worry about what this comedian's doing or how this comedian got on or how this comedian did this. What I do have enough time to worry about is like, Jerry Waters, how are you making yourself better? How are you loving yourself more? How are you spiritually? How are you doing that? And he goes, yeah, man, I understand. I said, look, you have to unlearn what you've learned. Right. And when you're trying to compare yourself to other people, it's like it's never going to work, man. It's never going to work. And sometimes I guess I have to realize that in his eyes I'm something that I don't, I'm like, who do you think I am? Why don't you drop your special now? Like, Why would I drop a special now? I'm not special right now. Why would I drop a special that there's no demand for my special right now currently? And he goes, but I think, and I was like, I said, yes, yeah, son, sit down, sit down, son. I said, son, I, I said, how many kids am I adopting? <laughs> the freak, right? But I think that's a lot like life, man, a lot like life, especially in the work field, wherever you are going. You know, sometimes you can't sit. You can't sit in life comparing yourself to, to things or holding grudges to people who don't even care. Life is so short, so short. You can die with an incident. You're holding a grudge for something that nobody even cares about. I remember. I think I told the story one time. I remember this football coach. I forgot what his name was, Coach Gaddy or whatever the f his name was. I remember I got cut off the football team, and I was, I was. This was like my seventh grade year. I remember I was knocking people out for real, all slamming people. And I never played football before, but I was, I knew how to wrestle, so I was just picking up people, dropping them, slamming them down. But you know, I was playing a lot, right? I remember he cut me, and he told me he didn't give me a real reason why he cut me and stuff like that. I just he just didn't like me. That's it is what it is. He just didn't like me. I didn't right? think I was serious enough to play football, and he thinks, like, cutting me would inspire me to be better my eighth grade year. But I was telling him, I was like, my dad's about to move. I don't, you know, you wasted this time. But I remember, like, my sophomore year freshman year, I made the football team I uh, write him this email and tell him. I think we went back to visit or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm a football player, everything else. And he goes, who are you? I was like, what? Like, who, what, what's your name again? I was like, nobody freaking cares. Nobody cares. Short-term memory. You can't spend your whole life trying to prove something to someone and it doesn't even matter to them. Like, you got to be proving yourself right, not trying to prove other people wrong. You know, like, who's motivated? Like, I'm, I can't be motivated to prove someone wrong and they don't even know they're a motivation to you. They're just like, I don't give an F about this person. Right? I remember, I think it was a, a, ch- a chick in college, she said something to me, just like, I, I, I've been I've been waiting years to get you back. I said, I done forgot about that. I don't even remember what I did my freshman year. I don't remember that I don't remember kicking you out. I don't I don't remember you know, ignoring you at a party. I don't remember that. That happened four years ago. Who's still thinking about that? The freak. Like what, really? I said, Yeah, I didn't shoot, I didn't mean to. I didn't even think about it like that. I don't even know. I was probably ignoring you. I was I was probably in the clouds, F, I don't know. Freak. Piss. Whoo But yeah, man. <clears throat> that's it so look we're gonna wrap this podcast up i don't want to start babbling but this is the podcast one man one One man one tree in a hill it's a, it's a podcast about being alone for your own thoughts prayers up to my dear friend amy and whatever she's going through or whoever if someone's sick in her family we pray that you know god can change it shout out to my girl carla carla Allo. we pray for her man as she's as she's battling cancer right now so prayers up for her uh, Friday we'll be dropping the One Tree Hill, One Tree Hill episode, we're reviewing, I think we're on episode eight, we'll be doing that, we're still on season one, and then, uh, the book I'll be reading, what is this, Doctor, okay, I'll read a Doctor Seuss book, I don't care, yeah, I'll do that, I'll read it, I'll just post it out, I'll just do it separately, and do an episode where you just ask me to read, and I'll do it, we'll just call it Mr. Waters Read Along, or something like that, we'll do a read along, uh, I'll, I'll do, call it Story Time, Story Time, we'll do it like that, Story Time, I'll read a story, and we'll do it like that it's a very interesting thing that someone wants me to do but I'll freaking do it alright that's the podcast One Man One Tree in the Hill Uh, to that man G-double-O a.k.a. Roland Doja a.k.a. Mr (laughs) (laughs) a.k.a. uh, slap your auntie uh, take us out with this theme song ho hey you're live on the podcast One Man One Tree in the Hill say what up to the people this is when I see black excellence man it's Dave Chappelle Michael Che Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I said, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, as I just want to say, man, you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right
0: now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months, two months. months.
1: And, then I say, and I said, uh-uh, and I said, uh-uh, I'm being the next Jamar Neighbors and she was up like I know that's right (laughs) Uh, ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to the podcast my name is Jerry Waters and I'll catch you next time like, subscribe rate the podcast have a wonderful night wonderful day whatever you're listening to I'll see you soon